What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. From East Oakland, California, and um, sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, you know, we're going to up you on how we just chill. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Terp Talk. I am your host, Sarah Tokes, a.k.a. the Terp Queen. This week's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Guy Roker with Papa and Barkley. That's right, Papa and Barkley. Let's get started. Awesome. How's your day going so far? Good. You know, busy. That's... Coming up on the end of the quarter, I'm excited to finish the year strong. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. Can you? Um, I got the chance to try the gummies today. I really liked them. The- awesome. Yeah, and then you know they're they're we're gonna be switching that packaging into these little jars right here. Um, so this is a test pilot of the jars, but yeah, they're we're really excited about them. Oh, your and video's off. Hmm. Your video is off. Oh, it is? Yeah. I'm like, oh. what jar? Oh. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> no, we're good. No, I, saw, I saw my name and I thought it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. This, so they're oh. going to start coming in. in it, it'll be opaque. Cause, yeah. You know, cause it has to, it'll be blue, our blue, with maybe a blue top, maybe a bamboo top. I haven't decided that. And this actually, total secret, we won't share this, is actually a, a, another for, a, a, a new formulation. So, you know, you have the vegan ones. They're the only ones we're selling. We had a gelatin skew for a minute, but we we had we it, it wasn't working right. So we're just selling the vegan ones. But you know they're not like Camino gummies. Yeah, these are the same flavor profile. Like it tastes exactly the same. It's just got now a little bit more of a gelatin texture. But what's weird is people have given us feedback that they like that texture as well. It's like I think the the definition of gummy is a little looser than we'd like to think. There's Haribo, and then yeah. there's all kinds of other fruit. Yeah, because when I had it, I was I was expecting more of like the kind of soft gummy, but I kind of liked um, the the texture of it. I know that's like a little strange. Like I'm all about like textures and feels, so I was like, oh, I like the way this breaks down because it doesn't feel like oh, I'm like eating a candy edible. You know, like that was like a real edible. You taste the hash. It was mm-hmm. just, it was great. I tried the apple one so far because I didn't want to like eat too many edibles before <laughs> the show. But, um, and the rosin was super fire too. So thank you so much for sending that out. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, we normally, we, we also do, you know, six straw hash. It's in very limited batches, but uh, that doesn't ship as well. And usually we ship it with like a cold pack, but yeah. You know, so next time you're through, we got, you got to get some of that six star as well. Yes, I love please. The I'm excited um, because I got to try the papaya and that was the one that you guys just washed when we were there. And I was like, oh, my God, I get to try the turps. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, So we'll get started real quick. If you just want to do an introduction of yourself, I already did my short little intro. Um, So just 
whenever you're ready. So, sure. Uh, awesome. Uh, hey, I'm Guy Rocourt, uh, co-founder, president, and chief product officer at Pop and Barkley. Uh, yeah, Pop and Barkley is a wellness company based here in California. Uh, we have our sub-brand, uh, Papa Select, that makes awesome solventless concentrates, specifically live rosins and live six-star hash uh, for now. Um, and yeah, we've been operating in California since uh, you know 2016. I personally have been in the cannabis game in the LA area and now up here in Humboldt since about 1998. Uh, and it's, it's been a, an awesome journey and I'm excited to chop it up with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. I know it's really busy up there. You guys are nonstop killing it. So I really appreciate it. Um, it's almost harvest time. I know it's almost Croptober. We're almost there. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's why I'm like, you guys are way too busy trying to like <laughs> feed no hunt and do all that. So thanks for taking the time to come on Terp Talk. Um, one of the biggest questions everyone has, like, who is Papa and Barkley? You know, like, um, was the brand really like based on real people? Was it more of a character that you guys came up yeah. with? Yeah. So look, um, my partner, Adam Grossman, um, he made a, his dad was on a hospice and had stenosis of the back, which is a debilitating back like thing where your back like kind of seizes up. And the people were like, look, if he doesn't start to get out of bed, you know, it's, he's probably going to pass away. So he looked up some recipes that a friend had shared with him about bombs here in California. This is in about 2015. Uh, made the first version by basically soaking cannabis in coconut oil, like flowers that you would smoke, strained it off, put some essential oils in there and started using that on his dad's back. And sure enough, his dad got out of bed. His dad saw this endeavor like yeah. come out like, you know, and was aware before he passed the, uh, of Papa and Barkley, the, the brand. So he started using the bomb, sharing with people. Um, then, you know, a friend that we have in common, Sparky Rose, put us together here in California and, you know, I looked at the first bomb. It was amazing. Of course, the first thought for me was to put like back then we were all about BHO. I was like, oh, I'm going to put yeah. some great <laughs> extract in this and it'll be even easier to make. But it immediately was not the same product. Definitely what's uh, part of our thing is, you know, that direct lipid infusion where the greenness of our bomb of our topical is not only just the cannabinoids and the terpenes, but all the chlorophyll and that green matter that made a difference. Uh, so we still do that process, you know, till today. And so we had this hero product. This is in, you know, late 20, early 2016. And so, you know, 64 is not on the ballot yet, but I'm already, you know, I know a few dispensaries in LA, we start placing it just this one product. You know, one of the first things I noticed was, first of all, there was no wellness section back in the 215 days. It just yeah. wasn't the same party. Like no our, one knew what CBD was. We were like, diet yeah, no weed, get that out of here. Like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, it was definitely, I know it's a short period of time for most people. For us, it's back in the day, like right. cannabis years, it's like a hundred years ago. So, you know, I realized in the dispensary marketplace early on not a lot of wellness products and most of them are just like afterthoughts you have bombs that have like 50 milligrams in there and you know testing some of the bombs that adam had made back in boston for his dad he was up at like the eight milligrams per gram which meant like in a two ounce jar you'd be like four or five hundred milligrams which is not a lot when you think that a gram of concentrate has you know upwards of 800 milligrams anyway a lot of numbers long story short <laughs> we start placing this bomb in in, in stores we're like, hey, maybe we should like make a line out of it. And I, I, I was sharing with Adam that early on, I was part of that first wave in like 2010, where we started to try to brand things in dispensaries. 
and then people got in trouble because they were associated with a brand that was in more than one dispensary, which was technically like if you remember in the collective bargaining world, we were only supposed to partner and sell to one dispensary to share with our patients. So this concept of sharing with multiple dispensaries was already like kind of strange. That's one of the constrictions pre-64 that people forget about. They're like, oh, we had a thriving marketplace. I was like, it was gray. It just yeah. was, I loved it, but we have to call it what it was. And so anyway, that's, that's a long story, uh, long origin story for us, but that's how Pop and Barkley started. Um, and so we were in LA making this balm. We came out with the massage oil, the bath soak, and the patches, you know, all early that year, early um, 2016, um, or right at towards the end of 2016, right after the vote, where we finally got some investment dollars in. Um, and then we found our first compliance space, because of course we were like, well, we can't be in a house anymore. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we had homies up here in Humboldt, um, and Humboldt, the city of Eureka, even before 64. So this is like summer of 2016. Um, I was actually here during the 2016 vote, tragic. Um, but um, we came up in the summer, met with some homies. You know, we, of course, we had purchased a farm um, at the time. And then we uh, got our first uh, manufacturing space. And what's funny is, you know, we're not, we don't have that farm now because I have a lot of respect for farmers. And we work with about 120 small farms just in Humboldt and, you know, 300-ish uh, in the Emerald Triangle. Oh, wow. Um, and it's important, like, if you're going to farm, you're going to farm. Right. And farming is a business of its on itself to be respected. And and like a lot of folks on the manufacturing side and new money coming inside are just like, oh, we'll just buy a farm. And I'm like, you don't really know how to grow weed. I mean, I grew another thing about me is like for 15 solid years, I just had that low key, you know, couple houses and you know, had some units <laughs> moving around. So, you know, I know that my way around an indoor grow for sure, nothing like the gigantic sun grown trees that we're we're used to up here but my, my point is it's like cannabis is not it's it's much closer to grapes than it is freaking cabbage you know you can't just buy a farm and think that you're just going to grow great cannabis you need players that have a stake in it hence your farmer to yeah. grow your cannabis right and you'd be better off having small farms that are pollen chucking or doing their tissue culture and getting new genetics like our product evolves and we know that but you'd be surprised it's hard to explain that to new money you can explain it to them in the form of wine and even then it doesn't click that you know this is an evolving nuance things like when we go to cups we want to see the new new and terps and terp profiles new and cannabinoids get- new terps all that stuff there's so many new discoveries happening every day you know so just partnering with those farms that are always up to date on it that's that's great yeah so you know that's uh so in a in a very weird interesting way i met adam a gentleman that at the time was living in new york you know which i'm originally from so that was cool too um and he came out to la saw what i was doing you know and within a year moved his entire life out to la um and within a couple of years i moved up here to Humboldt. Well, I actually just moved up recently. I started, you know, I had an apartment I, permanently. I had an apartment up here. It was a, it, it took me a little while to be like, I need, I can get out of the city. Right? Yeah, I'm from New York City. L.A. was kind of like, I, I remember moving to L.A. in like uh, 1997, 98, and being like, this is a small town <laughs> coming from New York. Like I was upset about some things, especially around food delivery, because I was like a young single <laughs> dude, and um. 
And then moving up here, working up here was, I was having so much fun every time I came up here for work. Yeah. And then finally I was just like, you know what? I, I just wasn't having the same kind of fun in LA. A lot of it was just getting older. Um, also we're doing so many exciting things building up here. You know, we, you know, of course I was here when we finalized the gummies and built out that whole thing. And, um, I don't know when you were up here before I showed you where the chocolate space is going to be, but that's all built out. That machinery is landing. Chocolates are oh, coming. Oh, really? At that spot that you guys bought? Can we say yeah. it? At the former Kmart. <laughs> yep. We're going to have our blue light special. Um, yeah, our Kmart locations uh, coming on. And that's a great, you know, for us, another big thing for us is community. And, and we don't just like talk about it. We try to do it. Uh, and, you know, lots of communities like Eureka have those big box stores, those Kmarts, those Sears those Toys R Uses that went out of business and nobody wants just a big empty building, right? Yeah. And you, when when you take over a big empty building, of course, the first suggestion is jobs. And yeah, every time we open up an area, uh, it creates jobs. And, you know, every, you know, small numbers in a way, but they add up. And like the chocolate, for instance, we built out this room, it's probably like 4,000 square feet and has all this cool Italian chocolate machinery in it. Um, we had our confectionery expert, Jonah Ginsburg, but I think he's calling for like a staff of seven. And if we're lucky and we have to, you know, add a second shift, or sometimes we have to add a few people in the evening to come in just to finish the pack out and the yeah. compliance stuff. Um, yeah, those are just seven more jobs in Eureka, you know, in that Broadway location. And so we're excited about stuff like that um, because, you know, we could have went to an unincorporated area, right, and got a license easier and built stuff. And again, I'm I'm a city person. I was not going to drive out, you know, between here <laughs> and Fortuna on a side road no. in, a, in, a, in a metal shell. Not when I could be in a Kmart. <laughs> yeah, the, the Kmart was a really nice location. It's, it's huge and perfect for what you you guys want to do um it's mainly just going to be the chocolates and hash out there or no so that's just a, a the, that's just the first corner so we're making the the chocolates there and where we're making our hash now in our cold rooms and such we're actually clearing out that building of other production automated like bomb filling and tincture filling we'll all move to the broadway location and hopefully a gmp fashion and then that building where we visited where we're making hash will become mostly hash or at least half Ooh. and we are definitely expanding expanding uh the uh the papa select um brand for sure um we're really excited it's definitely a, the fastest growing sector and what's exciting about concentrates when we look at just a marketplace growing is that it means more people are getting educated in the right way, right? Yep. When I see the distillate market growing, especially on the CBD side, I'm like, that's ignorance brewing. When I see people on the concentrate side growing and like talking about, and we see live resin growing as a category. So now people understand what the live is. So that means the next category is live rosin, right? Because the resin is like, yeah, okay. Live, trust me, I love, I got some Grass, this is a lo local company, Gold Coast, right here. Oh, I've yeah, heard of them. How are they? Oh, my God. this it, It's amazing. This live resin they shared with me, um, I got it. It's champagne cake. You know, truth be told, I got it, like, kind of like yourself. I came up on it. Somebody yeah. gave it hey. to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying it. And it's a, and I'm like, I'm just impressed. And like, yeah, and look, so, you know, live resin, definitely cheaper price point and your, you know, your live rosins of, uh, and stuff. But yeah, that's going to be the new, new. And you, the only way you get there is people being educated. You know, I don't know if I share with you, Papa and Barkley, we like to think we own the first ca cannabis conversation. Because if I give you a bomb or a topical, 
you know, any, you could do that with your grandma, right? Yeah. But then we're in the last conversation with the, with the select product, right? If you can talk about six star hash, if you can understand terpenes and having your rig at the right temperature so that you're getting mostly terpenes. And even if it doesn't get you high as AF as it were, it's still <laughs> super terpy, right? And getting those low temp dabs down and whatnot, that's now you're like at a whole different level, right? And so when you see concentrates growing, especially live concentrates, it means people are going down that educational path and are not just looking for cheap dislip products or cheap products that are that are just infused with like THC or, you know, THC distillate as opposed to like a rosin that infuse our products. Or when they have like the joints dipped in crude oil and key. <laughs> Can we please stop that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, that's a great point because look, when I was, you know, if with this was maybe 10 years ago, I'd be like, amazing. But I, I, one of the things I'm realizing as we're like a few years into this legalization thing is really safe access means that you don't have to have that one hit wonder, right? We, we come, I come specifically from a, a time of scarcity and cannabis where you would scrape resin, like no, like you would not, you would not just throw <laughs> your pipe in alcohol. You wouldn't do it, right? Because that, that was potential, you know, you did not know. And even through the years here in California, like there were times where it was like, it's not like I can just run to the dispensary dispensaries were closing, opening, whatever. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't the most straightforward purchases, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so there's scarcity. That feeling of scarcity is what leads us to want to have shit that's so strong. The alcohol model is not, is indicative of like a standardization of potency so that you can build enjoyment. We should be focused not on trying to get OGs that are 32% THC, but OGs that are 20% THC, but then have a terpene profile that is amazing and distinct and, uh, and then different ones that are evolving. Right. So, yes, <laughs> I'm all about the terps. You know, one thing that I always tell people, cause I, I do sales down here in Cali and everybody's just like, well, we don't care what the product is. We just want to see the highest number of THC. And I'm just like, how how can you say that when I'm selling you like a full spectrum live resin cartridge? You're like, oh, it doesn't test at 90%. We don't want it. And I'm like, do you not know under like what full spectrum and the terps and all that? Like the terps don't lie. Yep. You know? Yeah, so. that's like that's like saying I want instead of having like, you know, a fine cognac, I'll just take the moonshine. <laughs> you, you know, look, there's some people that just want potency and that's fine. But most people have a an evolved good, better, best palate, right? And yeah. like, yeah, I'm not above drinking Bud Light when I'm like, you know, tailgating. But that doesn't mean I might not have like a craft bomber at home for when I'm just at home watching the game. You know, there are there are definitely levels, and it's just important. You know, a lot of times I harp on solventless or harp on quality. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for other stuff. It's just that right now, as the industry is so new we have to define that quality and make it really clear because again you know one of the the good things about pop and barkley and having raised money is i'm really aware of the kind of money that's coming in and what the things they look for and usually when they're investing into a already established industry yeah it's already established like if they're investing into wine there's how a way wineries work there's a, a way of understanding what quality wine is there are panels that decide these kind of things that's only emerging now in our industry, right? Yeah. And there are so many newbies coming in 
that if they're not properly educated, if they're not, if we're not sharing with them this information, they may just think that all there is to the world is like strong bong hits, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Right? <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to put some keef on this bowl and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like the dirt of your wee, <laughs> but it's all good. So you were talking a little bit about like live rosin and live resin. Do you want to get in on what live rosin is in that process just for listeners? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I have experience with both and live resin. Well, first of all, the live concept means that the plant is fresh. Most of us are used to using dried cannabis that you can smoke in a flower and extracts to come from dried cannabis, right? Cured cannabis, the smell of that. But if you ever had the opportunity to be at a farm or grow your own plant and you smell the plant before it's harvested, it has a much broader terpene profile um, and different terpene profile and also a newer or younger set of cannabinoids. So CBG will be more present, that kind of thing, right? Um, so what happens with live products is it's harvested, harvested fresh and typically frozen right then and there. Hence the term that you might hear fresh frozen. That fresh frozen product, as long as it's kept really frozen, it can be processed and you'll get essentially an extract that, ta that tastes and smells just like the fresh plant, which is different than cured. And one of the things that I wanna to start to be able to do is have extracts live yeah. from a strain and extracts from cured of the strain and, and, and see the nuances and the, the, the change in profile. It's amazing, right? Um, so, cause I've seen, you know, you can do it with the concentrate and the flower, right? Yeah. Then I have an extract of that flower. Um, so that's what the live means. Live resin means that it's a light hydrocarbon, which is usually a butane propane mix. Um, and they run that solvent over it. It dissolves all the oils into the solvent. Then they evaporate the solvent off. And that's where you got to be careful because when you're, uh, having a technique to recover all that solvent, because you want to have zero residual solvents but you have to be careful not to use too much heat or too much vacuum pressure. Otherwise you'll lose some of those terpenes and then you'll just have a stale piece of oil. So that's where the artistry on that side comes in. And then on the live rosin side, that's a uh, mechanical process or a solventless process where you just use ice water and you take those fresh frozen buds and you put them in water and you just agitate that water gently and the cold brittle trichomes break off into the water and then you strain that water through some bags and you get this awesome patty that looks like sand of what are essentially awesome trichomes. It's amazing. <laughs> and look, well, you were, you were in our, our room. It's like, yeah. it smells like magic. It's like you go in there and it smells like I didn't want to leave. I was in there and I was like, can, can I just stay here? Continue with the tour. I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> That was so yeah, great. So those, are the, those are the differences between uh, the, the, the two products. So, you know, the live rosin, because it's a solventless, just, you know, gentle extract, you don't get the same extraction rate. So it's typically twice as much as a live resin, right? Um, yeah. But uh, that's, that's that nuanced quality, right? So that's what we need to force into the culture because we know that somebody pays i'm not a big wine person but i know that you could buy a 500 bottle of wine and people will appreciate the hell out of it right well this is the same case it's like you can buy live resin and it's amazing but you might buy the live rosin and spend extra because you know that people hand washed it that the only way you get it out is by like gently like well first of all you have to have much better flowers to get live rosin than to get live resin. Let's be clear, right? The solvent, not, not to harp on solvent. I'm not even trying to hype up 
pop a select just solventless in general for everybody who does it like shout out like 710 and all and other folks that do good solventless product you you have to have great farming relationships because it's all about the farm product yeah. right and it, it is so heavily dependent on the exact pheno from the farm that that washes correctly and that is artistry that is like the vintner and the farmer like hand in hand on the light resin side you can pretty much take any fresh frozen of that strain and wash it get a nice extraction rate and as long as your vac skills are on point have a nice chirpy thing right um so you need all that knowledge to pay more money and i have to we have to share <laughs> that knowledge to get and that's why to we're here today <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned like the phenos do you guys personally go out pheno hunting and what do you guys typically look for? When uh, you do that? So, you know, I'm, I, I am not the expert there. Uh, we have Tiana is our uh, procurement director and um, her and Jill, who is our hash director. Yeah. They go out to the farms and pheno hunt and do small washes. And we've tried and we are continuing to look for a way to evaluate plants quicker. But ultimately, you get a small amount, you wash it and you see how it does. Right. And then you get them to hopefully continue to grow it. Uh, we have talked about, Tiana has suggested to me directly about starting to get into the tissue culture game and starting to help our farmers maintain genetics and bank genetics, right? You know, uh, at the farm in the hills, it might be hard to get that infrastructure at our yeah. Broadway location, having a small area where we might do that. And even if it was for the phenos that we want, just to make sure that as we partner with farms, if they don't have that genetic, we can repopulate it. Um, and, you know, if there are farmers listening, uh, it's important to start thinking about how you're going to secure your genetics because seeds are good and they are they're great. They're nature's way of doing it, but they are not necessarily virus free. And over time, you can't run into issues. We're definitely now that we can have access to technology, having your favorite stain strains stored in a tissue culture form and getting your strains to be clean and virus free so that you don't have any issues forward is new to our industry, but super important. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a lot of work. Like I can tell you that pheno hunting and figuring out what washes well is difficult and it's ongoing because every time they come out with, uh, you know, a cross, that you want to inspect, you got yeah. to start all over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that, that sounds fun though. That's a lot of R and D. So. Yeah. It's a, look, I, 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 you know, Tiana, I, sometimes I'm jealous, you know, we have a truck, the procurement truck and it's like, you know, total, like, it's not a full on grow dozer. It's not that flashy, I guess, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, she, they spend their days at the farm and, you know, and Boris, I don't know if you met Boris, my partner, uh, he's also up here and like today, you know, he's like, I'm going to lose you in five minutes. I'm about to cross through Willow Creek, you know, oh my I'm gosh. stuck here in the office. <laughs> so it's not the worst job, but they do work hard getting out to those farms and, uh, you know, catching the right frozen and keeping the farm schedules. And when you harvest is important too. You want to, you know, wait as I don't, I don't know. Some, I think some strains are earlier from a turf profile. Some strains are later from a size of trichome profile. Have you guys done anything with um, autoflower? I know autoflower is kind of getting popular out in Humboldt. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't know. In fact, I'm going to make a note of that <laughs> because, you know, I, you know, only because I wonder, I saw a great presentation in Oregon about autoflower. Um, I'd like to see data that, to see if plants that are 
uh, auto flower seeds, how they wash in general. Do they tend to wash better? Is it just like any other? Or, um, or are they predisposed to like grow better buds, like better trichomes, bigger trichomes, easier to catch trichomes? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I know farmers and we'll probably see a whole lot of that this, uh, not this full term that we're in now, but the first depths uh, like, you know, I guess right after the, the the winter, like February, March, April, like depths, if anybody does that, like, you know, some people do try to get that three poles a year, which is, I guess, aggressive. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. yeah. But with the but fires and everything, I'm sure everyone's just going to switch to autoflower for a bit and try to bang out some terps. So. Yeah. yeah. You know, and look, I, I don't know what you know about the stuff going on down south, like Santa Barbara ways. There's a lot of big farms about to come online in California. I think Humboldt has to definitely, and this is happening in the community, begin to 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 like band together about this is Humboldt sun-grown flower, yeah. right? And this is what Humboldt sun-grown flower means because you know what? Really soon, I think we're going to hear this is what you know uh, flowers from you know. The Central Valley look like, or this is what flowers from, you know, not the Inland Empire, because I don't think indoor and sun grown are ever going to be um, like related in the same way. But, you know, the big farms I've seen in Santa Barbara, the big glass houses that I've seen, or, you know, I think of the glass house because I was at yeah. the facility, but greenhouses <laughs> that I've seen like further south, uh, even, you know, further down into the OC in San Diego. Yeah, there's some square footage coming online for sure. Um, and yeah, but, you know, the, we just need more licensed farms here in Humboldt. And that's going to be the answer. But it just means more weed, more abundance. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, so I, I don't know about like the price of cannabis. Uh, I, I am hoping for some, you know, reform on the tax side here in California, just a little bit. What's the taxes at now? I am um, down here. It's forty-one percent recreational in a dispensary. If you go pick up, forty-one yeah. percent. Yeah, I think up here it's like around that. You know, because I usually just, I just think of the state twenty-five percent, and then the locals add their theirs, and that's where it fluctuates. The state has to do something like local taxes. You know, I'm not that upset about local taxes because if that's going right back into the immediate communities, and cannabis can be helping directly immediate communities that's the right way. State taxes, on the other hand, should be lowered a little bit, if anything, just to slow down the traditional market. You know, yeah. and that's, like, I don't have anything against the traditional market because that would be hypocritical. However, I just like all of us to be incentivized to be on the same team. And the only way you can do that is make it easier for us. Because right now we have an, a disadvantage. Most of us in the compliant market are not making money. We are basically trying to continue to pave the road for an industry. And I know that there's a lot of people that had issues with Proposition 64, but the fact is now we can have a conversation in Sacramento. With the way it was before with 215 and whatnot, we were barely, it was more akin to the protesting than it was a conversation. Yeah. Now we're all in the same game, because guess what? We paid a ton in tax dollars in the last four years. and. Nobody wants to cut that revenue. So now we are talking about how we all make more money, the state and our industry. I think that, you know, even in these polarized times, the blowback from legalized cannabis has been minimal. And that's a California talk. Yeah, in the nation, you can see how California is often vilified 
that's because they hate us because we get to smoke weed and we figured it out. I mean, I, I you know, it's like, I like we get the best for, weed. It's OK. Like. You know, so I think if we have an honest look at, you know, what can, what legalized cannabis has done or not done in California and then we see the revenue. So now we're now now we're in a dialogue. And like if the state were to reduce the taxes, the, they're just overall state taxes, not the local and municipal taxes so that the prices of flour could become more competitive. Some some restrictions at the BCC for sure, especially around flour and flour packaging so people can get fresh flour, people can get flour in bulk, uh, you know, some nuances there. And then I think, you know, loans and subsidies for farmers from some of that tax dollars, um, would all work nicely right so there is an economic model here it's not unlike what's going on in the wine industry that just needs to be applied here without any stigma 64 had stigma we've dealt with it we've been good soldiers you know we've played <laughs> our part and now as you know within an election year and as we start to ask for reform yeah that's the only, that's what's going to grow the industry if we don't that kind of nuance some of the regulations to be a little bit more realistic, right? And most importantly, kind of just on a state level, tax and regulate a little bit more like alcohol and a little less like a narcotic, you know, yeah. it's kind of insane, the 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 the, the taxation level. Um, hopefully that grows the industry. I would yeah. hope so, you know, um, especially since at the end of the day, I still look at cannabis as a, a medical, it's a medical use, you know, it's a medicine. And just the fact that medical patients, MMIC, whatever it may be, they're still paying a good 20, 25% on taxes and there's little to no compassion programs, you know, because, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, in um, in Colorado, you could still get your card. I don't know if this is the same thing. You still go get your red card and then there was a separate like medicinal counter. Of course that faded because nobody wanted to put make those products in in the guidelines for of just of medical, they wanted it to be all adult use, right? They had this A&M thing. We kind of started down that road and then gave it up. The bad side of that is that, yeah, if you're a true patient, you don't get a discount, there's nothing there. And then we have some products like when they're like about to expire or if you know something's off that we were like, oh, is there any way we can sell these like at a discount for patients or give them away compassionate use? And those are the kinds of cool things that could be put like revised in the regulations or loosened in the regulations to allow us to do that kind of stuff. You know, we shouldn't be destroying product the way we are. A lot of that is kind of like- Do they really oh, make you destroy you know, product or is that just- yeah, no, I don't know if people know, but in MRSA, if something is off on your batch label, or if you have a batch that was overdosed, let's say, let's say you made a batch of gummies and this was be five milligrams each, hundred max hundred milligrams in the bag, but something went wrong and now you have 120 milligrams in the bag and the average gummy is 5.6 milligrams, right? Well, you can't melt down a gummy. So the only thing you can do, now remember we test in final form. So that means your gummy is in packaging. So you have to then on camera, take that packaging, open it up, throw away the gummies, throw away the packaging, and then have a proper waste disposal service take the gummies away for proper waste disposal. And or mix it with dirt first, I think, like make it unable to be edible. And then that's when it can go in the barrel to go to waste services. It's like crazy, right? And like, no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying we need to talk about that because you don't do that with old medicines. I'm sure there's a way that they get processed. Um, 
uh, appropriately. And, you know, it's not the same product. I mean, again, we just need to look at Canvas for what it is, you know, and I, and I would never say that you would give people inaccurately dosed products. And there's a reason why things fail compliance testing. I'm just saying like, once they fail, there's no room for remediation. That just means it goes in the garbage. Yeah, I guess it teaches companies not to ever do it again. Yeah. But then what about what about on the other side when things are lower dosed? Um, you can actually batch label stuff for lower dose, but then if it's on your label, you have to sticker it. We usually have big stickering parties. I'm sure anybody that's <laughs> in manufacturing would appreciate a sticker party because I know I know for a fact. And if you fun game, if you're in a dispensary, especially with newer brands, right? Uh, look at look at how many stickers are put on real time on their packaging, right? More traditional brands, everything is all dialed in. They take a year to release a product and everything is there. Like you go to Target, there's no stickers. Yeah. You go to a dispensary, there's stickers on your packaging because shit change or it wasn't compliant or whatever. It's funny. But we're a young industry. And, you know, most businesses are startups in a startup industry. It's like startup pressure squared. That's why it feels like four years ago is like, 30 years ago. I'm pretty sure I wasn't gray when I started this. <laughs> I doubt it. I, I mean, I feel like my, my hair is going gray. I'm losing <laughs> my hair dealing with this industry. It's so up and down lately. Um, do you guys um, have any new products, anything new coming out this year, next year? What's new for Papa Barkley? <laughs> yeah, look, the most exciting thing for us right now is we want to be, it's so funny, our company tends to get so split in the weirdest ways. So we want to be, we, we're known for pain right now, for sure. And, you know, we want to look at these need states, like we'll probably be doing some sleep stuff on the CBN side uh, and, you know, have some good sleep products, right? Um, but we also really next year want to start to work and be known for these awesome edibles, like that are a purpose. Like, so, you know, you know, our sugar-free, awesome gummies that are made with solventless hash. And then on the chocolate side, uh, it's going to be fair trade. We're the first cannabis company to have fair trade chocolate. It's it's just awesome chocolate. And, you know, Defonse had tried a premium chocolate, but the price was too high and didn't do so well. We'll be able to have that price point right at like the most popular bar in the market is Kiva, but just have an awesome, rich, fair trade chocolate. So that's coming in November. Right now, I sent you the face cream, that one-to-one. -one. Yes, uh, I used that this morning. Um, honestly, ladies, if you're listening, go out and buy that face cream. My makeup has never stayed on so good. And it just... My skin still feels like baby soft after right. I put on makeup and everything. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that because we did a skincare challenge. And right now on our IG, there's a, you know, every, they're seeding uh, all the before and after pictures. It's amazing. Like, you know, I did not formulate that. That was a co formulation with Shea Organics out of Colorado. Uh, also, but, you know, again, all our values, everything in there is 100% all natural, right? We're, most of it is like plant seed acids, like apple seed acids and fruit things it's above my head. Yeah. And it's not, and it is rosin, 100% rosin. That's rosin. I put rosin on my face. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like the way we make rosin for our uh, for our products like that, we make what we call a keef rosin. So we don't squish the plant. We take the plant, we chill the, chill the flowers and keef it mechanically, right? Uh, we then take that into little socks and press it into a rosin, right? So it's an amber rosin. We decarboxylate that rosin by slowly heating it and making the THCA become Delta 9 THC. And then it gets drizzled into that. It gets drizzled into our hand lotion. Um, 
uh, the chocolates use the rosin, um, but the gummies use a keef that's uh, put into the coconut oil, right? So the rod, so the 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 hash, if you will, that's in the gummies. Instead of taking uh, the the keef and pressing it, because you know that if you can get somebody to eat, you know, some of that green stuff, even a little bit, it's going to be awesome. We decided to take the keef, like a very rough keef too, where we just really shake the plant. And yeah, we get a lot of trichomes, but it's not a blonde keef. It's definitely yeah. like a green keef. We put that and infuse that into coconut oil, right? And that's what we use uh, in the gummies. So the gummies definitely have, you know, that taste, like you said, that hash taste, like you can definitely taste it. And uh, that formulation was a little too rich for the, uh, for the, for the chocolate, right? So we decided to go with, with just straight up rosin and the chocolate. Um, so yeah, excited about uh, those products. That's definitely what's uh, up. And then, you know, next year, this is a total preview way ahead. There's a little chocolate heart that's filled. The equipment we got can do this too. So sometime next year, hopefully we'll also have a nice filled bite. So we're really going to push hard on the edibles uh, as well as continue with the awesome topicals. Um, you know, maybe there's a fresh, you know, we already do the THCA. Uh, I mean, the living tincture, which I think I also sent you, yeah. which is basically that's a live product. That's a living product. That's fresh frozen plants that are just soaked at less than 110 degrees, which if you are a raw food enthusiast, that's like the threshold between like raw food and cooked food, right? So we try to just warm the oil to about 110 degrees, right? You can put your finger in it, it's not that hot. <laughs> and uh, we wait like, you know, hours, and then we strain off the mass and you get a fresh frozen tasting tincture basically, but it's 99% THCA. You know, over time it degrades a little bit, but as long as you keep it in the bottle or keep yeah. it in a cool, dark place, it'll be stable. Um, and it's an amazing product, right? Because THCA has a lot of the analgesical benefits, but it's just a different, way more mellow high, right? Um, and for like, if you use cannabis in general, you probably won't even feel it unless you take a lot of it. But that's good because now you're taking a bunch of cannabinoids, especially if you have like uh, uh, autoimmune disease, right? Like we've been seeing people load a lot of the living tincture. Um, but it also, because of that fresh frozen terpene profile, it's completely different terp profile than any other tincture. Um, so we'll be pushing more on the live products. Like, you know, I've, I've thought about doing a live topical, yeah. um, but I'm not sure, but we might do a live massage oil that Ooh. highlights those, those fresh frozen notes, right? Dried cannabis is pungent and like an earthy, but fresh cannabis has that bright like you know alive smell if you will yeah if we can capture that in a in an oil or not or something a massage oil that might be interesting but yeah you know so we're tinkering as well but you guys i know you guys need to bring back the bath um the bath soak that was my favorite oh, yeah. product <laughs> oh i remember we talked about that yeah so yes. this jar one of the things that we were having issues was with the pressure seal in the bath soak. So the technology we're getting to put the pressure seal on on these guys uh, is going to also apply to when we seal the the, the bath soak jars like that. Okay. Right? This technology. Um. No, I agree with you. You know, it doesn't make. It's not the biggest skew, but man, first of all, you know, there's definitely great pe people that have had awesome benefits, especially people that have like uh, diabetes and like their. Uh, ankles and stuff swell like when they have that diabetic neuropathy and they soak in the the uh, bath soak it works like cannabis again that's an autoimmune disease causing them to swell up like that and having like warm water 
you know, Epsom salts and cannabis. Yeah, that's it's coming back for sure. I'm telling you, I'm a big fan of it. It's coming back. I'm going to make that happen. Awesome. Is there anything that you wanted to touch base on before we wrapped up this episode? No, I mean, look, I, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, you know, you've definitely let me talk about all our great products. You know, our, you know, our gummies, you know, have been doing great in the marketplace. It, we, and look, we're the only people offering a sugar-free gummy. So we're by no means looking to just like take over the gummy market. It's not about that. We just have our niche. You know, Pop and Barkley is definitely about wellness. Uh, it's definitely about like clean, awesome cannabis products and cannabis products like you know with the gummies like you said you want to taste a note i want you to know that it's a cannabis product yeah right? i don't want you to think that it's a sugary snack i want you to it, and it can and the, and the two can coexist like that's important for us nor the normalization of cannabis is important for us right i don't i, I don't want to cover it up and i don't want to put it in your face per se i just want it to be like here's an awesome cannabis product right um you know yeah so where we've been on this great mission and uh it's, it's exciting and we have a lot more to go. And for us, it's as much about building our company as it is building the community and industry that we're part of. Right. Or at least, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what it's about. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time um, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to trying those new chocolates too. Um, and thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of Terp Talk with Papa Barkley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at TerpTalkCA and at Papa and Barkley. And again, thank you so much for coming out, Guy. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. bye. Thank you. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.